0: someone you love been a victim of a crime that's still unsolved crime curious has teamed up with one of the top private investigation services in the indiana and surrounding area if you have listened to us long enough you know that we do not seek out services or products that are meaningless to us or hold no real value so you can trust us when we say that corporate investigations comes with decades of experience you won't find any place else Corbett Investigations is run by a former homicide commander of one of the country's most successful homicide units, has put over 400 people in prison for homicide, handled over 1,100 death investigations, and solved 33 cold case murders. To be real with you, Mr. Corbett had a really difficult time telling us what we should highlight in this segment because he does not like to sound like he's bragging. Solving crimes has been his life's passion, and he has never done it for the accolades or recognition. He has a whole team behind his services that help him be so successful, as they specialize in things like blood stain analysis, ballistics, crime scene reconstruction, and forensic pathology, just to name a few. When you contact Corbett Investigations, you talk directly with Tim Corbett. He is hands-on with every case and can travel anywhere that's needed to get the job done. Corbett Investigations prides itself on honesty, truth, feet-to-the-ground real investigation work and the strength to stand up to whatever is in the way of solving the crime. Corbett Investigations specializes in complex homicide cases, sex offenses, and criminal investigations that are old and new. Tim and his team have a reputation for finding witnesses and information that others could not. Although we hope none of our listeners ever need private investigation services, if you do, we recommend contacting Corbett Investigations, and mention this segment on Crime Curious for a free consultation. Contact Tim Corbett today at 574-229-8115. You can also check them out on Facebook at Corbett Investigative Services, Inc. or their email, tim at tcorbett.org. That's T-I-M at T-C-O-R-B-E-T-T dot org. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm
1: Charnell. I'm Megan.
0: Let's shake all of our good luck grigri. There we go. I'm two it. You are. With the Chaz and the bones. With all the spiritual grigri. Yes. All right. We're off to a good start. Now, Megan, this week I am bringing you a controversial case because we haven't had one of those in a, a okay. hot minute.
1: And you like testing me.
0: I do. And it it is going to be, it is a controversial legal case mm. so I'm bringing you your faves really right. here
1: and, and I'll be careful excuse me there was a frog <laughs> oh and I'll be I swallowed Freddie <laughs> and I'll be careful not to uh incriminate myself when making these uh, well, uh opinions well, and assessments
0: it is um it's a case that has been fully convicted oh, okay. and gone through the legal process so you're safe to, to make opinions but I think the reason that our listener James had and thank you, James, for suggesting this case, had um, requested it is because I think he knows you will find it very you'll have some good insight to add. I hope so. There's there are supporters for a perpetrator out there in the public world. We get those. We do. And and it's not to say that she's innocent, more so of just her sentencing. Okay. Yes. So I, I'm very interested to hear we your have thoughts here.
1: Murders are dicks. Mm-hmm. That is like the whole premise of our case. But sometimes, and I'm just throwing this out there, you guys, sometimes you kind of like the dick.
0: Well, and for the... I'm I sorry. I all the time I do. I'm sorry. But...
1: You know, I know where you were, how many, you were uh, how many of you females will watch, uh, or those identify as females will watch something like women who kill mm-hmm. and think to yourselves, well, she shouldn't have done that, but, but I can I see understand. why she did.
0: Yeah. And for this case, it's going to be more of how much was she involved? How much okay. does she really know? And the, the facts are interesting. You have here. it. You have me set up mm. and wondering. So. Yep. This is actually commonly, oh, I almost, my, I apologize everyone. My microphone almost knocked me out. It happens. Whoops! And uh, I
1: would have covered briefly without panicking, unless you stopped breathing. In which case, I would have been like,
0: "You could have just press the stop button." Press the stop button. Could have taken my notes and just been like, "And Charnel's knocked out, so I'm going to be carrying on now." Uh, this is this case is commonly referred to as the Sarah Pender case, but it's actually not one of the murder victims. Sarah Pender is one of the perpetrators. Uh, some might view her as a little bit of a victim herself through the legal system, but we're going to, as I said, we're going to get there. Okay. We'll see where we're at the end of it. We all fall. All right. I'm going to start this case off a little anticlimatically by saying that Sarah Pender, she was born May 29th, 1979, to give you some age perspective. She is a woman convicted along with her former boyfriend, Richard Edward Hull, or as I like to call him, Dick Ed Hall, Dick Hall, <laughs> yes, but his middle name is Edward. So if we if we shorten all of those names, Richard Edward Hall, his name is Dick Ed Hall.
1: Okay, all right, a uh, dickhead. We're just going to call him dickhead. He is dickhead. Okay. He absolutely
0: is. So they're convicted of murdering their roommates Andrew Catalini and Tricia Nordman. All right, on October twenty fourth, two thousand, in Indiana. Okay, Sarah was twenty one at the time of the murders. And she has claimed ever since that she is a victim of a wrongful conviction. So now that I've told you the ending, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. All right. right, I just needed to set that scene so you understood what was happening here.
1: Is this so I can process as I'm going through? Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. In 1997, Sarah Jo Pender graduated from Lawrence Central High School. And then she attended briefly Purdue University before she dropped out. So she worked as a secretary at the Carl E. Most and Sons, which originally I read Moist and Sons. I
1: like that better.
0: Yes, but I don't know what that is. I didn't take the time to research it because it doesn't matter. But okay. feel free to if you guys want to. Uh, Richard Hall, Dickhead Hall, was 22 and her boyfriend at the time and he worked as a, a bouncer at a bar. Okay. Now, he had a criminal history that included six misdemeanors. As
1: bouncers will. I bet they're all for assault. You want that person to be your bouncer. They're not afraid to tangle, and they don't have a problem throwing someone out on their ass. Yep,
0: they like to throw
1: bows. They like to throw bows, and not the cheer kind.
0: Nope. He also had two felony convictions for auto theft and residential entry. All right, oh, so yeah. he likes to help himself
1: yeah, to things
0: that don't belong to him. A
1: little less desirable as a bouncer, in my sure. opinion. But sure.
0: So Mr. Andrew Cataliti, 24, and Trisha Nordman, 25, they are the victims here. Um, at the time, they were actually both fugitives out of um, a Nevada correctional facility where Trisha Nordman was serving time for forgery. I, you know, I mean... Forgery. Calling her a fugitive is a little bit of a stretch, but it was written that way. The fugitive times.
1: part is that she she escaped from justice. So she was probably either out on bond uh-huh. or waiting to be sentenced, or had been sentenced and was on probation or something, and she took off. And that's called a fugitive from justice. Sure.
0: And Andrew Catalidi... Was um, in for possession with intent to distribute
1: methamphetamine. Yeah, so Kay. he is a peewit. That's yeah. a twenty-year felony here.
0: It's it's not good. It's not good. We've got some history. Yeah. going on, according to the police, uh, Richard and Andrew reportedly sold drugs from their home. They were roommates. Remember this? These two couples were roommates, and they were they had a little operation going on. And they were
1: selling drugs. Kay? Roommates and entrepreneurs.
0: And actually, later Dick Ed Hall confirms that yes they were doing that all right um some room for improvement by all four of them i would say i think we could probably agree right not to to, i'm not bashing the victims here at all but we we they were young
1: in their early 20s what you're telling me right now though is that in terms of criminal histories um our perpetrator here she actually has nothing she just she's she's gone to college It, it didn't work out for her she drops out good for you college ain't for everyone no And um, she's working and then meets this guy or he happens to be her boyfriend. So she's actually living with three people who have criminal histories and she does not.
0: Right. The only thing that she's got going for her is that could be seen as negative is poor taste in men.
1: Correct. That's all. Okay. She does not have a criminal history. Who hasn't been guilty of that? Absolutely.
0: And she's 21. Yeah. Who hasn't been guilty of that at 21?
1: I can't. If we were playing truth or dare, I'm just saying. Right. So, oh, no, no, never have I ever. Uh, that's the game I was right, thinking. Right, right. Yeah, I'd be sense. taking a drink.
0: <laughs> As you are of your coffee. It. You're very healthy. Well, taking Clean a drink of coffee
1: playing never have I ever just means I'm in my 40s and not my <laughs> 20s. True.
0: Oh, gosh. So how do two couples go from one or from roommates and essentially business partners, to hating each other so much that one couple kills the other couple. Well,
1: because of drugs.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of information out there about this case. So much so that I found myself feeling like I was wading through muck of misinformation, like a lot of things that were sensationalized and just general like bullshittery. Yeah. Which isn't a word, but it should
1: be any type of was there a lot of media coverage on this there was that's yeah. why and there still is
0: and i think that we're not done i think we're going to see things in the future honestly sure. with it but reports claim that while the couple were shacked up together tensions started to rise and this is the debate that about like what the tensions were all about okay but truly the overall consensus and just doing what we do for a living we can probably agree with this that it really appears that what was happening is that Andrew was about to cut Richard out of some money from the drug
1: business. Okay? We've talked about it before. Drugs, sex, greed, mm-hmm. and we throw in mental illness because that's like relatively new for, you know, reasons that people kill. Kill, right? But for the most part, mm-hmm. drugs, sex, money.
0: And I think in this case, we've got the drugs and the money. Yeah. According to a neighbor of this foursome, Jana Frederick, tensions had been growing for three to four weeks between the couples, and it mostly centered around Richard Dickhead Hall and Andrew Catalini the most. Okay. The girls are just kind of in the midst just being the girlfriends. But this neighbor... um who seemed to be at some point prior to the murders um, like had had been kind of involved like it sounded like they were friendly neighbors okay like they were in you know kind of knew what was going on in each other's lives because this neighbor said that um, Richard Hall because he had two felonies he couldn't legally purchase a firearm right and so he tried to actually purchase a weapon illegally from Jana Frederick's
1: boyfriend. Yes. Okay. Which is, is what, common. This is what people do. That's mm-hmm. how they obtain guns when they're not allowed to because right. you can.
0: Right. And Jana's boyfriend said, no, I'm not going to illegally oh. sell you this this gun. Okay. but it's, He's a stand-up criminal. Yeah. It, it's Well, Jana's boyfriend's not a criminal. Oh, he's not. No. But he's associated with them. Well, he's neighbor's. And so I think they're just like... Unintentionally associated with yeah, that. Yeah, you know. Can you
1: imagine somebody comes over who has a felony history? You know they're involved in some type of drugs. they're like, selling
0: methamphetamine? Yeah, mm-hmm. dude,
1: can you uh, sell me a, one of your guns? Right. Uh, right. No. That's
0: registered to meet? No. No, thank no. you.
1: No. No, I'm just going to borrow it. I'm just going to use it tonight.
0: Right, right. <laughs> oh, in that case. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just going to go coyote hunting. Nope. No. So... I think that this little tidbit is important because you have to remember, due to Richard's criminal history, he couldn't buy a gun and there were others that weren't willing to sell him one illegally. Okay? Okay? Okay. Just remember that. On the morning of October 24th, 2000, Dick Ed Hall drove Sarah Pender to a local Walmart for some necessities. Sarah purchases a 12-gauge shotgun. Yep. One soda and a box of condoms. You know,
1: just regular Tuesday things. You know, when we talk about things that make the cashier uncomfortable (laughs) when you check out, that is is one of those things as the cashier. You would be like, huh. Mm
0: -hmm. Listen, I got the gun, I got the condoms and a soda for when I'm thirsty later. I don't know why it was only one soda, though, but it was very specifically listed as just one soda
1: the way that I would take that is that the other person that you're with isn't going to get a chance to drink it right, if I'm exactly. the cashier that's how I'm looking yes
0: at. and why do we need would a whole you, box of condoms they you. do sell them as a single <laughs> I
1: know but I feel like people who buy a single condom are just looking for a, <laughs> a, like a like a less satisfying night for her
0: you know what I find that I think that they're just being realistic
1: I don't need twelve. Uh, no, maybe not. But I'm not saying I don't need twelve. I right? Mean, we that, often would need right, twelve. Right, That's that, the thing. He doesn't right, need twelve. Right. <laughs> so, so funny. So funny. I'm gonna have a good night with a shotgun and one condom. <laughs> I mean, you're like, what are you gonna do with her afterwards? This has explained everything. Mm,
0: well, the later I'll tell you. The police do actually interview that clerk that made that sale.
1: Yeah, what well, she remembered, didn't she? She did. Hell yeah, you do.
0: Yeah. Condoms a
1: pop and a shotgun. Yep, you don't forget that sale no. for the night on a Tuesday. The only thing that you should do is have other people come in and buy distracting things, so she doesn't remember right, yours.
0: Right. You want to know what's really funny? When I wrote these notes, I literally wrote you know regular Tuesday things, and then I was like, oh, I better look up and see what day it was. October a Tuesday, 24th. wasn't it? Yes, it was. I felt it. Yes, it was. So anyway, the clerk says I actually watched um, Richard Hull. Yeah. Pick out the ammunition yeah for that gun hand it bring it to the counter and sarah pay for it so like she is validating like he was the one that was in charge here i don't know who picked out the condoms <laughs> and the soda but the he gun did because he didn't want ammunition. her to pick the ex,
1: extra smalls out <laughs> she would have gone for it, right it she, just ruins the whole because night we're when realistic. she knows when she knows what size you right. actually wear um You know, people have a lot of things to say about gun control and we are not political and we're not going to get into that here. But I do find it interesting that the person who she was with clearly uh, helping her buy things and stuff, you know, to, to just add something, a caveat to those type of sales that says everybody who's there should be run. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. in case you're in a situation where someone's being forced Correct. to do this. I agree. Um, yep. So, you know, just a, just a thought. Don't crucify me, mm-hmm. but there we go.
0: So after the Walmart trip, and presumably at some point in time after they may ha- or may not have used the condoms and drank the soda.
1: Car sex, of course. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Uh, Sarah, they actually went out for a little outing for the evening with Sarah's parents. And then, yeah, and then they returned home about 11 p.m., okay? And this is where things get a little hairy. Shortly after returning, Sarah left the home and took a walk. Now, I'm
1: this is like a midnight strolling, okay? Like, she left. Like she needed to leave. Like there was something in there she didn't want to be around. Right. She just, she left. She wasn't there. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm going to tell you what we know of the incident per court records and interviews that Richard Hall himself later tells the police because obviously I wasn't there, right? Okay. So this is us piecing this information together. But Just as a jury would. Exactly. And and truly, this is from
1: court, court
0: transcripts. Court While Sarah was away, an argument broke out between Richard and Andrew. Regarding money, this is supposedly, this is where I say there's there's a little, you know, discrepancies about what this fight was really about. But I actually think it's still about the drugs and the money from the drugs because it is said that Richard and Andrew broke out into a fight regarding money that Richard's sister, Tabitha, owed Andrew. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, why? I'm sure it wasn't for, Dude. you know. Your sister so
1: your sister still hasn't paid me for the, for the mass drugs I that sold I sold her, her.
0: Mm-hmm. agreed So Richard said that Andrew, who knew about the recently purchased shotgun okay went into Richard and Sarah's room to attempt to retrieve the weapon this why is, this is according to because the fight is escalating. So Dick at Hall claims that Andrew said quote, that he was going to kill my fucking family. End quote. So Dickhead Hall said that he attempted to prevent Andrew's action, which resulted in a physical struggle between the two men. So these two men are are in a kerfuffle. They're in a male
1: squirmish. Okay. A male fluffle.
0: Yeah, a male. We're in a male fluffle. And I somehow, call that a
1: testosterone wrestling.
0: <laughs> yes, they are testosterone wrestling. So somehow though, during all of this, Dick at Hall just ends up shooting Andrew in the chest. Uh how closely. But then shoots Trisha in the head and chest as well.
1: Oh, I don't like any
0: of Thank that. Thank you. Me neither.
1: Because uh Kerfluffle over um the sp- you know, whatever. somebody Money, grab money. somebody yeah.
0: owing money, whatever. And mm-hmm. then,
1: oh, my God, I shot him, right? Right. Well, you would stop there and say, Trisha, oh, my God. Call 911. Call 911. I just shot my friend while we were fighting, right? Because yeah. that's going to go over better than saying, but you know what, Trisha, I don't want you around to have to testify about this, so I'm just going to shoot you twice. That's exactly what I put in my twice. notes, too. We
0: know Trisha was collateral damage. Of course she was. He,
1: right. Right. She, Even, he may not have planned on killing her, her but she, right. that's exactly what collateral damage yes. is. That's, well, now I have a fucking witness. Yep. But I have questions about why Sarah wasn't there. Thank you. Did he send her out of there so that she didn't see what was going to happen? Was this whole thing planned? Did the argument start and Sarah went, fuck this, I'm out. I don't want to be here. I want to take a walk. I'm not dealing with and your. And it's too bad Trisha didn't go with her. Right.
0: Your testosterone bullshit. The testosterone right? wrestling. Yep. I'm not here
1: for it. No. Nope. Me either, girl.
0: We'll see. We're okay. see. When Sarah Pender returned, both victims were dead. And Dickhead Hall had already placed one of their bodies in the back of a truck that he actually borrowed from his friend Ronnie Heron. Oh,
1: Ronnie, your truck's
0: ruined. Ronnie let him borrow the truck the day earlier on October 23rd to remove items from a basement of a building um, that was part of their master plan for Richard and Andrew to create a meth lab in collaboration with a chemist from Las Vegas.
1: Wow, that's a lot of information you just gave me.
0: Yes, because they went from just selling the meth to now they're going to make it. This is like the Iowa Kingpin. This is my Dustin Honkin. Yeah, yeah. So, Sarah and Richard then drove a few blocks away and placed the bodies in a dumpster where they were later found by a poor man named Steve Stoltz. Like, I'm sorry, okay. Steve. Also, I can't believe I keep covering these cases where bodies are thrown away. In this dump, is bizarre. Human, um, people's, people as garbage. Human garbage
1: cases yes. is what you're doing. <clears throat> Can I tell you that? Um, oh, which people
0: probably don't know. If you're not a Patreon, you may not know that. Those oh, were sorry. bonus episodes, they I were. think. Join Patreon. You'll get all kinds of extra all content. All
1: kinds of, yeah, people is garbage, which we don't love. Um, So what I'm hearing right now, just so you're getting my <clears throat> legal assessment, mm-hmm. we don't know what she knew beforehand, at mm-hmm. least not yet. There's no evidence. But what we do know is that she became aware that people were murdered and has now acted as an accessory after the fact. Exactly. So I just want to throw exactly. that out. Mm-hmm. I know that... <clears throat> I am sorry. I have got a frog. Um, in Incubus? Succubus? Is it that is, you? It is. Coming out? She's there. <laughs> um, I know that people in stressful situations uh, make poor choices like helping your friend perhaps dis- or your boyfriend dispose of a body. And I also know of cases where the person did not do that willingly. Mm-hmm. She could have been threatened or under duress. But there comes a time when you have an opportunity or ability to report because you are in a safe position where that needs to occur to avoid being an accessory. You
0: mean like the next day on October 25th, 2000, when she went to work and was away from Dick Ed Hall?
1: That would have been, would have been a prime been- opportunity. Thank you for pointing that out.
0: Yes. And that, that is where we were going next as she went to work. And while Richard borrowed equipment from the neighbor that we already talked about, Jana Frederick, To clean up the blood and mess in the house. Now, Jana didn't know that that's what he was doing. She just
1: thought he had fun with his box of condoms and needed to clean up. Like, I just,
0: (laughs) right. Like, I just, um, it didn't say what equipment. Um, I'm assuming cleaning supplies, things like that. And she just was like, sure, whatever. What
1: type of criminal borrows supplies? You've created a new witness. Don't borrow cleaning supplies. When you
0: go buy it, and it's all transactions are all documented. There are
1: different ways to do this that I'm not going to assist them with. <laughs> Thank but you. suffice it to say, there are ways to not get caught with your cleanup.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he thought that just going over, knocking on the trailer next door at Jana's is probably not going to arise any suspicion to get some chloride. This is
1: why people steal things out of open garages yeah. after you make sure that there aren't ring cams. True. Which didn't exist then. Right. Yeah. The 9, security 000. systems mm-hmm.
0: did. So then the next day, on October 26th, the couple went to Noblesville, Indiana, to return the truck to Mr.
1: Heron. I know where that is. Mm -hmm. I've been there.
0: Now, Richard then burned several blood-stained items at Mr. Heron's home. I don't know if Mr. Heron knew what was going on or if it was just like, hey, you live out in the country. Can I burn this stuff instead of taking it to the dump? Totally legit.
1: Yeah, We have a burn ban. We're not allowed to burn within the city limits. So can I bring my stuff out there? And my dad even used to have just a burn barrel in the back. Oh, mine too. And then eventually it'd have holes in it and it'd rust out and you'd have to get get a a new new burn barrel. Yep,
0: Uh, my parents still do that. Exactly. They burn all their papers. Yep. On the same day, October 26th, this is two days after the murders. Now, remember I told you that the bodies were found by Mr. Steve Stoltz, right? Yes. So two days later, the detectives have identified the bodies that were and they have executed a search warrant for their home, um, which they, sh- they remember they share that home with Dick and Sarah.
1: And no one has reported them missing, correct?
0: No, no, they were found before they could be reported missing. Right, he found them the same day they were dumped. Okay, yeah. So they found in in as they execute execute the search warrant, they find traces of blood. They observe all of the attempts to conceal the murders and clean it up, all of that stuff. And Richard Hall is arrested in Noblesville on October 27th, excuse me, and he confesses to both murders. Okay. Okay. On October 28th, Sarah is arrested for murder as well. All right. On this same day that she's arrested, she gives police a pair of bloodstained pants that belonged to Dick Ed Hall and the DNA test confirmed that the blood was that of Tricia Nordman and Andrew Cataliti. No DNA evidence was found that linked Sarah Pender to the murders, for which both she and her boyfriend are now charged. She stated later to the police that, quote, after he committed these murders, I did not call the police, but instead stayed with him out of love, fear, loyalty, and sheer stupidity, end quote. She was 21 years old at the time. Yeah. She admits to helping him clean up and dispose of the bodies. Those are things she is absolutely guilty of. Okay. Now this is where we get the controversial tea. So grab your grandma's china and best support bra and jockstrap or both, whatever you may need.
1: <laughs> I wish this was a it, video episode. I know.
0: <sighs> So Sarah is awaiting trial for murders, as is Richard. All right. These things take a while, as we know. And remember, the murders took place in October of 2000. So now I'm kind of going to take you through like a timeline of how it all goes down in a really crazy way. September 2021. I'm wrong. September (laughs) 2001. Oh, perfect. So about 11 months after the murder, Sarah and another inmate who his his name is Floyd Pennington. They had struck up a jailhouse pen romance. I love these. All right. So you have to know Floyd is a convicted child molester and he has a rap sheet pretty long. Oh, she could so, have done better. Oh, yeah. Well, he's gonna be in, of course he's pen paling with chicks because he's gonna be in there for a while. Right. All right. And so Sarah and him are pen paling. And they arrange to book... Because they're not in the same facility, people. Keep that in mind, right? How in the hell do they know each other? They don't. They were pen paling. You know, the inmate pen pal program.
1: Okay, weird.
0: It's a thing, (laughs) I guess. I guess.
1: I don't know why it's a thing. don't feel like criminal sexual conduct uh, convicts should be given pen pals. Uh,
0: You and me both, but that is an issue we should tackle another day, my friend. Okay. Because they have a pen pal romance, and you know what they do? And this is actually... Reason number one why you shouldn't be allowed to pen pal with other prisoners prisoners is that they both arranged to have fake illnesses so that they would be taken to the Wishard Memorial Memorial Hospital on the same day, which is September 22nd, 2001, so that they can meet each other in person. This is romantic.
1: Thank you. You didn't tell me. Yeah, so they're... uh,
0: uh, he fakes I, I get to it later but I think he faked like a kidney thing and I don't know what she faked but they end up at the same place
1: uh, he didn't have someone stab him for him stab no. me right here though where it's no not I no. it was like a fanky, faking pancreatitis or something I don't right. know okay. I don't know
0: I, I did put it in here somewhere but now with this moment I can't um, recall and I'm barely well
1: irrespective I'm, they have a plan and it works
0: they do but you know what Floyd did all right,
1: so Floyd
0: penpaling with Sarah, and and remember his rap sheet's long. He's looking at some hard, long time. Well, so is she, yeah, absolutely. She he tells police that during this meeting with Sarah, she confided in him that she manipulated Richard Hall into killing Andrew and Trisha. Okay.
1: Oh fuck me, man. Let
0: me tell you what Floyd Pennington's doing. Floyd Pennington is intentionally setting up this pen pal relationship.
1: So that he can get released.
0: So that he can have information to give to the police so that he can make a deal. All right. And Sarah doesn't know this. So the whole time that they're pen paling, the authorities are allowing it because he's giving them information. So authorities at the jail do intercept a letter that Sarah wrote to Floyd Pennington. Allegedly. Dated September 22nd, 2001. And the statements in this letter did confirm that the two were together at Warshard Hospital. Okay. Okay. But I believe the reason that the two were able to be together at Warshard Hospital is is because the police arranged it. They allowed it. Okay. Yeah. Because Because otherwise two inmates aren't going to be next to each other. What are the fucking chances that you're right next to each other in the same room or within walking distance when you're supposed to be
1: chained to the bed? They may have, knowing that hospital, specific rooms that are meant for prisoners. Um, Sure, of course. uh, Jackson has a couple of very large um, facilities in it, and they all go to Henry Ford um, to that hospital when they need treatment, and they have very specific rooms for them. So you are likely to be in the same area as other prisoners.
0: Okay, but aren't you supposed to be chained to the bed?
1: Yes. Handcuffed. Excuse me. Chained is a strong word. Handcuffed. Um, uh, these are people who are convicted convicts. We can say chained. Okay. They are. They are. They chained are. Because oh, Because it's yeah. for the safety of the are. personnel. Right. And the public. Yeah. And very often, my, my mother, who used to work there and take care of the prisoners as a nurse, said... She was treated more kindly by those prisoners than anybody else because she was that. there to, to help the people who were truly sick, sick. right? I you know, that. so yeah. they were chained and cuffed for safety purposes. But my mom never felt unsafe.
0: unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm just I don't know. I found that whole situation a little little sketch, right? Yeah, we know. So How this it is happened. September twenty. That w- that happened September twenty uh, second, two thousand and one. In October. 2001. Richard Hall's attorney, so not Sarah's attorney, not Floyd's attorney.
1: No, Dick's attorney.
0: Dick's attorney gives the prosecutors a letter that he says was written by Sarah to Richard in May 2001, in which she confesses to killing the roommates. What? In this letter that was sent in May but was not turned over to prosecutors, an um, uh until by richard's attorney until october all
1: right so can i I interrupt yes because this is speculation but remember when i said this weird walk that she took in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. maybe perhaps it was because they were fighting it also could have been that she freaked out shot them and left so he could clean up which would explain why blood was all over his pants i don't know what did her confession letter say
0: her confession letter said that she manipulated him into killing them. Which
1: is Oh, so okay, so he pulled the trigger.
0: Uh-huh. But but it was all her master plan. She manipulated him into it, which is remember he's already confessed to the murders. Yeah. So pulling at Sarah's manipulation is literally the only defense that his attorneys have. And now mysteriously, mysteriously, there is this letter. That Richard's attorneys have from Sarah that was supposedly written in May 2001, but not handed over to prosecutors till October 2001. That's saying, look, she's admitting to what I'm building my defense on. She's admitting to manipulating him. All right. Okay, it's just just things to
1: keep in mind. Is he of low IQ? Like manipulated? I mean, please I, ex- think, I think in our terms
0: they're all low. Well, IQ. Please explain
1: though. This is a man with a significant criminal history. Yes. Uh who's who's a methamphetamine dealer. She has zero criminal history. How in the fuck is she manipulating you d- dude? So <laughs> if, what, if any w- girlfriend who you're in love with says you should off these people you know, that Megan. doesn't you're both culpable then. It's the power of the pussy.
0: <laughs> That's what I think it is. Well, I don't have that we, on a t shirt yet, but I
1: bet it's coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, so much I want to say, but it's a general, I know. general audience off. Just, uh, I'm just going to let it go. We're, um, we're going to let it roll off the tongue. Yep. Sure are. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. But yeah, so we are using the age old defense of the the powers that a woman has over a man here.
1: And because. Is this Salem 1641?
0: (laughs) It feels like it. A little bit. Just wonder. Um, So. Truly, they know that Sarah's defense at this point in time is, I went on a walk at midnight, I came home to two dead people, and I helped my boo cover it up because I was a doe-eyed 21-year-old girl. I think that just sounds like the most
1: legitimate explanation, to be honest with you.
0: Well, in Richard himself said she was not in the home. I... The fight broke out, I murdered them, well, she helped he, me clean
1: it up. He doesn't try to sell her out or incriminate her until they're in prison and they're not together anymore yes. and she's in love with uh, another
0: man. And when I don't even know that he knows that, but his, pro- his attorneys have to build a case somewhere. Well, his
1: attorneys might know that because at they some might. point in time, you know, I can't believe that the, the prosecutor, the police, they, are not, they should be subpoenaing these letters, these records. We so get ha- to it. Okay, don't thank worry. you.
0: Don't worry, we get to it. So Sarah Pender's trial was held at the Marion Superior Court in July 2002 with James Nave, N-A-V-E, yeah, as the defending attorney. Or Nave. Maybe Nave. I don't know. We're just going to call him James because his last name is not important. Now, Larry Sells is the prosecuting attorney and the presiding. He comes up more, so that's why I you want, want you to know his name.
1: We like Larry. No. We don't, we're indifferent to we're Larry. We're indifferent. We're going to see. It's yet to, it remains. Larry presents information. That's Larry's It remains Larry's to job. be seen.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Because I think, I don't think we've seen the end of Larry in terms of Sarah's case. So yeah. Um, And the presiding judge was Jane Magnus Stinton, Stinson, which I have to tell you when I first glanced at the name with your two last names that you have, it, like uh, for a brief moment, I was like, oh, Judge oh. Megan. <laughs> but Is anyway. Um, Larry Sells, I moonlight
1: in Indiana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Larry Sells was known for his recently failed campaign to become the prosecutor of Hamilton County, in which he had highlighted he ran his campaign on convicting murderers and violent offenders. Okay, okay. and and he, so he's just coming off from a failed attempt at that, so he's feeling probably a couple of ways about that. Now, neither Sarah or Richard testified at Sarah's trial. Citing the fact that Sarah had bought the murder weapon on the morning of the murders and that she later helped Richard dispose of the bodies, Larry Sells told the jury that she had planned the murders and had manipulated Hall into committing them. According to the Indiana... Indiana oh my God, Charnel. Pull it together, girl. You've got it. Indianapolis star journalist um, Vic... I'm... I'm not gonna, Record? It, it doesn't even matter. No. Larry Sells, quote, Lincoln'd her influence over Richard Hall to the control that Manson had over his followers who committed a string of murders in 1969.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? Thank you.
0: So quote, end quote, after Larry Sells did that in court, this case became the female Charles Manson like tagline right now ever
1: since. Isn't that such a disgusting comparison? He couldn't buy the gun because of his felony record, so he had her do it. Right. He literally picked the stuff out. Right.
0: But to say that she is Charles Manson ran a cult and happened
1: several people. And that happened over a significant time frame. Yes. Yes. was he was brilliant master manipulation, and you can see that over years and decades. Even mm-hmm. this is a twenty one year old who went with her boyfriend, who is a felon, to buy a gun for him.
0: Yep, and helped him and clean maybe up the bodies. And, and
1: maybe she listen. Maybe she did know, but
0: Absolutely. I still
1: wouldn't like because I none of us know for sure. This is what you use circumstantial evidence for for a potential conviction, and that's what that prosecutor did. Right. But to elude that she's the Charles Manson of females, this 21-year-old who's never committed any other crimes before, that's no, a stretch, this is, y'all. It's,
0: it's gross. It's a stretch. But unfortunately, and so, so this is to say every person that's been in Sarah's um, position before went along with a murder, helped clean up a murder. Are they all Charles Manson-esque? For no. that matter, any other person who has manipulated somebody else into killing, like look at the... Um, Oh, my God. The recent Munchausen's uh, case. Oh, why is it? Gypsy. Gypsy. Thank you. She manipulated her boyfriend into killing her mother. She did. Okay, so why is no one linking her to Charles Manson? Like, that has happened so much. Because there's
1: a mitigating circumstance. And you guys, every human being is capable of manipulation. We've all done it. You can try to say you haven't, but you have.
0: Intentionally or not, Correct.
1: And it may have, small children engage in manipulation because it's a normal part of the growth process. It's just your brain development. You learn that you can manipulate something to your advantage, so you do it.
0: Yep. So this, this takes off, this takes off in the media and it set, it gives, it gives people an idea that they think they know about Sarah, right? The people who aren't sitting in the court and listening to the actual testimony and the actual facts, right? They're, they are hearing, oh my gosh, this woman, she's as bad as Manson. She, her powers of manipulation are as strong as Manson's. That says something. So to prove Sarah's guilt, Larry Sells relied chiefly, and I do mean chiefly, on the letter yep, I knew it. that was allegedly sent to Richard from Sarah in May 2001 and the testimony from inmate Floyd Pennington. I need to tell you more about- Who was about...
1: manipulating her so he could get out.
0: Correct. And I have to tell you more about Floyd. Please. um, And, and remember, while I'm telling you these things, that Floyd's testimony was a large part Of the prosecution's argument that the jury heard. But they don't, but the jury isn't hearing the stuff I'm about to tell you about Floyd. Okay. All right. At the beginning of September, 2001. So right as they are, um, you know, trying to meet, they met on September 22nd, 2001 in that hospital, right? Floyd was a habitual offender and a violent felon awaiting sentencing on a robbery, a recent robbery conviction. So he's awaiting to be sentenced He also had a previous record for child molestation, a crime for which he had received a five-year sentence in 1989. On September 20th, two days before meeting in that hospital with Sarah, 2001, he met with a detective by the last name of Martinez, okay, saying that he could arrange a meeting and have Sarah Pender admit to him her responsibility for the murders, okay. I, I have so many things to say right now. I know. As I told you before, the two had started a romantic pen pal relationship. And by September 2001, they had exchanged 75 letters.
1: Okay. Can I just say something Mm -hmm. right now? Of course. I'm not happy with the police uh, investigation choice. Martinez, I'm not happy. No, uh, especially in terms of who you've chosen to use. Because as a defense attorney, here's what I'm all over. A convicted child molester is an inherent groomer. Mm-hmm. They know how to groom children into per allowing them to perpetrate on them and continually sexually abuse them, especially if there have been multiple victims. So you just took somebody who is a master groomer, given them to a 21 year old who's never been convicted of any crime before, engaged in a relationship through letters where he was letters. 75 letters to allow him to groom this woman. Mm-hmm. That's where I am with this. I think all of that should be thrown out. I, I think as a judge, I would have a very hard time with that being presented to allow that information in.
0: Yep. Well, n-
1: I hate jailhouse shit anyway. I you know, know you that. do.
0: I know you do.
1: Some is inherently believable, but this isn't through the pipes.
0: But I don't believe that these details were allowed in court because it's all about Floyd Pennington's history. It's not about what what was allowed in court was that they had a pen pal relationship. They had exchanged approximately 75 letters and that they arranged to meet. What wasn't put into court, though, was the the dates, Megan. So uh, Floyd meets with Detective Martinez on September 20th, 2001. Okay. Yeah. And then they meet at this hospital. They arranged to meet at this hospital and fake an illness on September 22nd, 2001. After this meeting with the detective Martinez is when Floyd wrote to Sarah Pender to arrange the date of where she would fake being sick and, and it would and they would meet at Warshard Hospital. How did that letter get processed and sent to her within two days? How That fast? How did that happen? There was an inside job. That's how that
1: happened. Because there was law enforcement or corrections personnel involved in this and potentially the prosecution who's going to know that this is happening and monitor it. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Prosecutors' offices can monitor those jailhouse things. It Mm -hmm. literally tells you that you don't have an expectation of privacy in in certain things coming in and out of prisons, okay? Including telephone calls. Sometimes people are thrown off by that whole, this phone call is being recorded from a correctional institution mm-hmm. they ignore that by the way yeah. and say things anyway what i'm still not loving is that you saying that that information about him didn't come into court because you know he's him just the whatever you absolutely have the right to impeach that witness Yeah, you absolutely have the right yeah. to do that any defense attorney who's good who hasn't violated in some type of ineffective assistance of counsel is going to bring that up and crucify that person i thank would thank you and they they did not. So there's, just, I think there's some ineffective assistance of counsel here. If that's the case, I agree. She I could agree. be guilty as hell, you guys. But yeah. I'm just saying, through the legal system right now, she's being failed at this particular point. Absolutely,
0: I agree. He did. I was right. It was a it was a kidney problem. He faked. Um, I just got to it in my notes. He faked a kidney problem. Now I don't like want, getting
1: stabbed in it because maybe that would have been helpful. <laughs> I don't. I don't
0: want you guys to think that it was the detectives that sought out Floyd. And arranged all this through no, Floyd, Floyd to frame this Sarah. To exactly. Floyd reached out to detectives and said, I've been ex- having a pen pal relationship. Let me give you information. Let me meet her on September okay so like I just didn't I wanted to make that clear no, but
1: and you making that clear makes it even more important that he would have been impeached and questioned on the stand because he did this on his own why Agreed. because he wanted something because he was going to get something or thought he would get something out of it yep. and even if law enforcement never sought him out you know that at that point in time they're going to start making some agreements yes you are allowed to ask somebody on the stand it is just just totally admissible. Isn't it true that you took a plea deal? Isn't it true that because of your testimony today, you're going to be released early? Mm -hmm. This is shit that has to come out.
0: Right. I agree. So the two do make or do meet on September 22nd after he faked his kidney problem. Okay. On September 28th, 2001, Floyd met back with the detective Uh, Martinez. And he gave a statement that said that he had been able to talk with Sarah Pender alone for three to four hours. And he said that when they were left alone, I'm sorry, they met together three to four hours and they were left alone for a half an hour. So let me, you know, make that clear. Sorry about that. Sarah admitted to him in that half an hour not recorded. Right. That she had planned the murders, coerced Richard Hall to kill both their roommates, and that she was present in the house during the murders. That's allegedly, in that 30-minute time frame, what he told convicted child molester Sarah, or Floyd Pennington. All right? Hold on. I can see your mouth, but this is important. 11 days after agreeing to testify against Sarah... Floyd Pennington was sentenced for his robbery conviction. And it was not as harsh of a sentence as it could have been. And I'm going to give you another fun fact about why we don't do shit like this. In 2008, when he was a, was released, he committed another rape within months of being released. Okay. That's
1: the kind of person he is. Absolutely. That's why I wanted to include
0: it. I kind of jumped to 2008, but I needed to just let you know after he testified against her. For this, this this is the kind of stuff that he was that he continued to engage in.
1: I don't like that. Presumably, the hospital meeting's happening because now law enforcement does know that this uh, relationship is going on. Mm -hmm. It, It wasn't. It it may have been masterminded by him, but law enforcement, corrections, the prosecution, someone knows to allow for this meeting to happen. Why wasn't it recorded? Why wasn't there a camera fixed someplace, him wearing a wire since he's potentially working with them at this point? Right,
0: state's witness, right?
1: I am having a problem then that he talks about what happened during a half an hour conversation that no one else observed. And we're just supposed to believe him. And we're just supposed to believe him.
0: Let me tell you a little more about Detective Martinez. In 2006- Well, good, because
1: so far, I'm not a fan.
0: Oh, you still won't be. In 2006, he moved to Idaho, where he worked for the um, Ketchum Police Department. And then in 2008, he had to hand over his resignation following uh, an evidence mishandling scandal.
1: This seems familiar. Okay,
0: okay, okay. So, let's get back to Sarah's trial. As we know, the testimony of child molester and rapist- was used, Floyd Pennington was used heavily against her. But also I mentioned this letter that was handed over by Richard's attorney to the prosecution in the fall of 2001. In the letter, Sarah Pender took responsibility for the murder. It said, quote, I wish I could go back and change the events of that night. Drew was so mean, meaning Andrew, Drew was so mean that night, I just snapped. I didn't mean to kill them. It must have been the acid. When you said you would try to take the blame, I knew that you loved me deeply. At first, I thought you would tell, but you stuck to your promise, end quote. And then the letter ended with, destroy this. Now, this is where it gets bullshitty. Did she write it? Forensic document examiner, Lee Ann Harmless, ironically is her last name, testified that the letter had been written by Sarah Pender herself. Defense attorney James contended the letter was a fake he said that Sarah Pender was no clever criminal mastermind and that the murder was not a cleverly planned criminal act it was an act in the moment he argued that Richard Hall had shot Andrew and Tricia because they were about to cut him out of a big drug deal okay but regardless um I also need to say something that I think I say later about the letter but I'm just going to tell you right now all the letters that had been exchanged from uh between Richard and Sarah had been written in a feminine um
1: like cursive. Yeah. This letter, I know men that write like that too, by the way, but I know what you mean <laughs> by that pretty flowery. We'll get to the men that write like that. Um, we will We will. Uh, we will see
0: you know why my brain I just know.
1: reads yours. Now. It
0: does. We're such a vibe over We're here. We're a vibe. It cracks me up. And someday when we start recording our episodes, like for video, people are going to see that you can't see my notes. No, like, not at really all. Um, so the letter, this letter that Richard's attorney handed over to the prosecution, it was all in a feminine print, not cursive.
1: That means something to me. Me too. As a person who very specifically and characteristically writes in cursive. Me too. I I very rarely print something. Mm-mm. Um, Maybe if I was making a list, but I'm going to be honest. I can't really remember the last time I printed anything. You know, I might print a random letter.
0: You know the only time that I print and I still have a hard time maintaining it for longer than two or three sentences? I do it on
1: search warrants.
0: Oh, there you go. Because it says
1: print, print and then signature. So I do it then.
0: And because it, it needs to be very clear, right? Mm-hmm. Cursive, you can, it, everyone has their own style. Mine's
1: beautiful. You can read every letter.
0: But when you print, it's very clear and intentional when you're trying to write, right? That's the only time I print is when I'm trying to make sure that there is no room for
1: error in the directions I'm giving you. Fair. So anyway. So now we have a printed feminine letter coming
0: yep but those are the no we have what i'm pulling at here are the two main pieces of evidence that was used against sarah is this testimony from floyd pennington and then this letter this letter that a a a, a right handwriting expert says was for sure written by her but all of the other letters were written in cursive and this one incriminating letter was written in print
1: Right, that's so. Seventy-five exchanges
0: that was between her and between Floyd. between her and
1: Floyd were also in cursive. Were in cursive. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's what I'm saying. So there was so much to compare to. Right. Was exactly. there an independent handwriting expert employed? No. Why? I don't know. Defense uh, ineffective attorneys use of counsel, ineffective in assistance of Sorry. counsel. Sorry, yes. de, defense attorneys. Come on, man, woman, yep. please. Well, we'll get good prosecutors and good judges do not want defenses to fail. No. When I was a prosecutor, the worst thing ever was to be up against a defense attorney who was bad. Right. I want to be up against the best defense attorney ever so that I don't have to preserve my case and his mm-hmm. for a mistrial.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: I'm frustrated,
0: and I don't recall the amount of letters that were exchanged between Richard and Sarah, but it was ceased. Like they they stopped their communication in July of two thousand and one. Um,
1: when she found out he sold her out,
0: well, it was actually ceased by Detective Martinez. What, but allegedly by then Hall's attorney had already had that May two thousand and one. Uh, letter but why didn't he hand it over until october to the prosecution i don't i don't know that's
1: the problem there's so much to have delved into that required almost separate hearings and and i maybe there were maybe there are hearings that are not public record that were out of the scope of the the public um that occurred to uh allow them in but I I'm, feel like
0: no, because Sarah would have brought Sarah is very, very vocal, vocal. about her case. Yeah, okay. I think that that would have come up. Um, august twenty second, two thousand and two, she was found guilty of murder and sentenced to one hundred and ten years. Okay? Richard Hall pleaded guilty to avoid trial. His defense at, had been that he had been influenced by Sarah Pender at the time of the murder. He was considered at that time by the court as a uh, that, that was considered as a mitigating factor. He received two forty five year sentences, so his sentence is less than Sarah's.
1: Two forty five year mm-hmm. and she got one
0: hundred and ten years each. She got one hundred and ten years total. Okay. He got two forty five years.
1: All right. All right. I mean, they're close. The, the, either way, they're going to both die in prison. Sure.
0: But this isn't where we end. Oh, I didn't think so. Oh, no. We still got pages of notes. So okay. strap in. I told you to get your best support, Braun I'm wearing it. Richard Hall actually wins an appeal for a new sentencing in 2004. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. Sarah's had been denied. I figured. But Richard wins an appeal. He shows up on May 4th, 2004 for resentencing. And the judge actually increases his sentence to 90 years because they found there was an aggravating factor. Let me tell you what that aggravating factor is, Megan. The aggravating factor is that there was a notarized affidavit in which he admitted the forgery of that letter that we have been talking about, and it contradicted his earlier testimonies. Okay. He
1: admitted that it was forged? Yep. Despite a handwriting expert saying it was her? Yep. Shocking. This is actually what it said. The
0: court found, quote, an additional aggravating factor that arose since the original sentencing, which actually in is very serious. Richard Hall appears to have committed perjury in an effort to help his co-defendant manipulate her way out of a criminal criminal conviction for the very serious offenses of murder, end quote. In a signed affidavit, Richard Hull himself recanted and admitted that the letter that his attorneys provided to the prosecution in the fall of 2001 was a forgery. In it, he explained that while he was detained at the Marion County Jail, he showed samples of Sarah's handwriting to fellow inmate Steve Logan and asked him to write a letter for him.
1: This fucker.
0: Logan wrote a lot like a woman. Told you we would get to the men who write feminine.
1: I'd charge him again. In you decided to take the stand and testify. He Remember to that do letter that. was a huge part of Sarah's conviction. Yeah, there is grounds now for a appeal for a mistrial on hers. You would think. Well, no, you would know you. I know this. <laughs> it's something I know. <laughs> yep. There, you, there's a piece of evidence that is I- I- exculpatory.
0: Yes, and I and I've got to tell you, they've denied
1: those appeals each time. But they found that it was pertinent enough to resentence him to more to jail time. To increase his jail time. But they won't use that yes. as a potential mitigating circumstance. I feel like I'm missing something legally here. Like somewhere, some, a judge in Indiana is like, listen, Judge Megan, you forget this. <laughs> and I and, and then I've done That's something wrong. That's what I keep searching
0: for, too. Like, I can't. What came out about Sarah's involvement that shows that she was so manipulative that they will not allow these things to be part of her uh, 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 resentencing or something. They
1: forged a now known to be forged letter to sentence her.
0: Yes. He signed an affidavit saying that. In return, Richard Hall, for, for Logan writing this, this letter okay because you know you don't do something
1: uh, another inmate a favor Not right out of the goodness of your heart usually no
0: you need to know that Steve Logan is a small white guy and remember I told you that Richard Hall was a bouncer so he's no small he dude him
1: protection in prison. he did
0: he was cell block protection and his goal for that was to to get a shorter sentence like he was hoping that if he you know that he would get a s- shorter sentence so unfortunately while admitting that the may 16th 2001 letter was a forgery it resulted in a heavier sentence for him double but it had on each count no benefit to sarah whatsoever so they're still trying to say you sign that affidavit as another way for her to manipulate you but she hasn't benefited from it she did not get it. the judge increased his sentencing to 90 years each yes and she not her she she got no benefit from it so None. to to claim you signed that that is what it was actually said in this appeal for his resentencing was you signed that affidavit as a way to try to get a murderer less time she she manipulated you even more
1: where where's the proof of that
0: right well right because She's Charles Manson. She's the female Charles Manson. No. And I agree with you. I am not saying she's totally innocent
1: in all no, this. No, she belongs but, to, she she's guilty of murder by virtue of her being knowledge she, accessory yep. after the fact. These are things that we know can happen, Absol- okay? Yes. And and I don't think she's saying that she's not guilty. No,
0: she has admitted her involvement in those regards. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I'm just saying there uh, the, the whole way that this went down I can see why there are supporters for her from a legal standpoint of like she has not had the correct legal counsel. I,
1: I at least believe based off of what I'm hearing and again this is only based off of the information that you've given me that this should at least come back to a court for exploration.
0: And I th- this is why I say I don't think that we've seen the end of this case. I, I really yep.
1: hope that we haven't. Um, again, if for any other reason, then the conviction may be fine. Uh, fine with the, the homicide conviction. Mm-hmm. But for the sentencing piece, mm-hmm. um, right? I know you guys aren't going to like this, some of you. Not every person convicted of murder or homicide actually deserves life or death the death penalty. Right. Um, there are sometimes mitigating circumstances. That word should be mitigating mm-hmm. circumstances. There are situations where you may assess somebody who committed a crime in the heat of passion who is very rehabilitatable and potentially unlikely to ever commit another offense. Then you have this chomo who she was writing letters with that police allowed to continue in this relationship, who clearly, if he was assessed psychologically, would be a known Re-offender, mm-hmm. so they're going to let him, and he did, and he did, and he proved that point.
0: But let me be clear: the letter in question was not written to Floyd Pennington. No, I this, know this letter. I know. I just, for the sake of oh. like clearing it up for everybody's brain,
1: the printed the, one was written the printed to Dickhead. One was
0: Richard? Yes, was to Dick Ed uh, Hall. Yep, and yeah, exactly. So, so it's two thousand and four that his sentence gets increased. September 2nd, excuse me. That's just funny, by the way. I know. I did get a chuckle out of that, too. September 6th, 2005, he actually testified in court that he got a fellow inmate named Steve Logan to forge
1: the um, confession letter. Now Steve's in trouble.
0: The other thing that you need to know (sighs) is This guy has
1: no care for anyone.
0: You're not going to like this. Okay. Sarah's fingerprints were not on the letter, but you want to know the prints that were? Richard Hall and Steve Logan's. So it confirmed his affidavit was correct. And that's the whole reason why he's here testifying. Because in 2004, when his appeal was given him a, a larger sentence and they're saying, no, you you were just, you only signed that affidavit to try to get her a lesser sentence. But blah, blah. He's, now he's like, no, I'm telling you the truth. I am, I, I don't think that I, you know, deserve a, a increased sentence for telling you the truth now. But he still committed perjury. So from the original.
1: Yeah, again, 2002 case. Even more, though, evidence to show that she had nothing to do with that. The only prints on it were him and the writer of the letter, the forger.
0: And here's the thing. Sarah Pender's lawyer, James Nave, did not question Steve Logan or suggest the possibility that he had forged the letter during her trial. Okay, none of that comes out in her trial.
1: And I'm assuming she would have told him, dude, I didn't write the letter. Of course. I didn't write the letter. Yep. But she didn't take the stand for herself because she has a right not to, and it's often not a good trial move to do that.
0: And Richard Hall did not testify at her trial either. Okay.
1: He could have requested a a, a handwriting expert for the defense. If a prosecutor has a handwriting expert come in, you can, as a defense attorney, request a private reassessment of that.
0: Well, I think at the time, so Sarah's, Sarah's trial was first because he was admitting mm-hmm. so he admitted got less time right I'm sure as part of the whole there is a the plea, whole deal. plea deal right exactly and so it was I don't think that he expected to get the the 45 years for each prisoner or um, excuse me each, each murderer that. my my apologies there um and so it's after that fact that he's like wait 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 no I let me now give you some real information me, now that you, yeah. I know what my sentence is going to be. Yeah, I got fucked. I didn't mm-hmm. realize I was
1: going to have to spend the rest of my life, two lifetimes, in, yeah. in, in prison. Well, it wasn't two to start with, but it became two lifetimes after.
0: I do want to say, too, in the 2005 hearing, he also does admit to killing both of the victims. And he makes statements that he was not concerned about the people that he killed and that Sarah was not present, but she did help after the fact. Agreed. Okay.
1: So she's, I mean, there's guilt there. She should be sitting in, in yes. prison, but yes, we are. She's sitting in prison on a factual basis that may not be true. The it others- wasn't allowed to be fully and wholly um, explored by the jury in her case because they weren't given all of the information.
0: Yeah. And um, another fact that I wanted to throw in there too is that Detective Kenneth Martinez, as we know, is problematic. He actually. Could not find the sealed envelope that this alleged letter came to Richard in prison. This
1: is just bad.
0: Like that needed to come out handling. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why it's he no longer a, is a detective. Well, but it's bad called a chain handling. of custody. It is,
1: and the prosecution has to prove mm-hmm. that the chain of custody with any evidence that has come into their hands was followed.
0: It was speculated that it had been already thrown away.
1: I don't love that, mm-hmm. and I don't. I hope a jury was allowed to consider that, but they obviously weren't allowed to consider a lot of things regarding that letter. I, I agree. And some of that may be through the fall of the defense as well, by I the way. I agree. Yep.
0: Yes, and so, it, you know, I like that you said the chain of evidence because that is truly what makes him have to hand over his badge in 2008
1: strangely Uh, yeah chain of evidence still he he had an evidence issue Mm -hmm. in that he did not follow same
0: and well and the other thing mr logan he doesn't exactly admit that he wrote the letter but he does testify at hall's 2005 um hearing that mr hall had shown him letters of sarah's writing and asked him to write some sort of letter as a way to reduce his charges or sentences Which Mr. Logan says he did not do, but he did review letters that she wrote. Oh, that's
1: why his fingerprints were on them.
0: Yes, yeah. On one occasion, according to Sarah, Logan admitted to one of her private investigators um, that Richard Hall had requested him to forge the letter to incriminate her. Yeah. He
1: told that to one of Sarah's Sarah's private investigators. Okay. Yep,
0: yep. Now, Sarah's 2007 appeals are denied, so she decides to take matters into her own hands. You're not going to love this. She escapes from the Rockville Correctional Center, a maximum security prison that is 50 miles west of Indianapolis on October 4th, 2008.
1: No, I don't love it.
0: And you're not going to love this. She did nothing but shoot herself in the foot with this because she had the aid of a prison guard, Scott Splinter Sr., and a former cellmate, Jamie Long.
1: Now I know. I've heard this.
0: I think so. I think so. At the time of her evasion scott splinter had been a corrections officer at the rockville correctional facility for five years the previous month he had been placed in a pre-trial diversion program for misdemeanor charge of battery and although he was married with children he was also engaged in an ongoing sexual relationship with sarah pender behind bars which we've heard of before all right we have now jamie long was an older older married woman She had a criminal conviction of two felonies and 12 to 15 other types of convictions. Sarah and Jamie met in 2007 while they were inmates at the Marion County Jail and they formed an intimate relationship. Jamie referred to Sarah as her wife while they served time at the Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis. After being released, Jamie frequently visited Sarah Pender. Okay, okay. So this is where I say she's shooting herself in the foot because she is clearly manipulating, one could argue, right? Yes. Jamie into thinking that they're having a a, a relationship while she's also having this relationship with this prison guard, Scott.
1: Yes. Right? Because with intention of him helping her get out.
0: Yep. She wants to get out because she feels all of her her appeals are being denied and she knows when I run out of appeals, I'm screwed. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I am going to get out of here. You're right
1: on the manipulation piece. Mm-hmm. But nowhere have I ever said that I don't think she's not guilty of these mm-hmm. things alleged. What I'm saying is there's been evidence that was mishandled that I think is enough to allow for it for her to be re-explored in court mm-hmm. on some type of a, a remand. I agree. It doesn't mean that she's that not she, guilty. Or
0: that she should even be released. But maybe oh, the no. 110 years may be a little excessive. Depending
1: on what comes out. But... You, she is showing that there was a that maybe the conviction was correct in mm-hmm. terms of her ability to manipulate. Right. On the other hand, you also have a person who was put in prison at the age of twenty one who's learned the skills to survive yes. in a correctional facility where one might need to manipulate so as not to. Uh, Uh, Succumb to other types of assault. Of course. I just want to throw that out there. We create. 100% survival. Yeah. We create a different level of criminal when we decide that someone's going to be institutionalized in a correction facility the rest of their life. Mm
0: -hmm. I agree. So fall 2008, she's, so she's, she escapes. Okay. And fall 2008, the TV show America's Most Wanted features her story. And on this episode, they interview Larry Sells, the prosecutor, and he once again sensationalized the story and paints the picture of her being a female Charles Manson who could manipulate anyone to do anything. Mm -hmm. Sarah has written, quote, That the media, including America's Most Wanted, has selectively used facts in order to manipulate the viewers to believe I am a degenerate, dangerous criminal in return for a sensational story, higher ratings,
1: and the guise of bringing justice, end quote.
0: I don't disagree with that portion.
1: I don't either. Did she write that from her cell after she was rearrested for escape? Yeah, yeah. Good.
0: Supporters of Sarah claim that Splinter was aware of the media's depiction of Sarah and used it to m- minimize his responsibility. That's Scott Splinter, remember. They point out that scotts uh, sp- I'm sorry, it's Spintler. Uh, we don't care. S- anyway, he did not, or a- er, th- they point out that Scott did not act out of misguided love for her because Sarah actually promised him $15,000 payment for his services which the media including America's Most Wanted never reports oh and it did not ha- like it did not come up um during Scott's trial either okay so Sarah's supporters further point out that the relationship between Sarah and Scott was not an exception at Rockville Two months after her escape in October 2008, Roger Heitzman, another correctioner, correctional officer at Rockville, was arrested by the state police for trafficking and engaging in sex acts with other female inmates. Yep. Because the case was not as high profile, no one claimed that Heitzman was a victim who was manipulated by that female involved. No, he was trafficking her. Officer. Mm-hmm.
1: The corrections officer that she manipulated you guys he's guilty of criminal sexual conduct. Because he was in a position of power and control while she was a prisoner. Prisoners yep. may manipulate these situations, but you are the one who swears an oath. You cannot, no matter how much you're manipulated, engage in sexual activity you're with an inmate. To say no. It's called, it is criminal sexual conduct. It yeah. literally makes you a, a rapist basically right. by statute.
0: Also, dude, you're married with children. Dude, you know like,
1: what? Come on. I, that's just to the side of the law at this point because he obviously has no respect there. Correct. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like so many things mm-hmm. about this case.
0: Supporters of Sarah also claim that the Department of Corrections had an interest in exaggerating Pender's abilities in uh, to manipulate in order to min- minimize the media damage for their own responsibilities. The Rockville Correctional Facilities hiring policy had already received bad media publicity in February 2008, so just months before her... Uh, Abscondence,
1: absconding, what?
0: Absconding? What? Did I make it into something it shouldn't? be? I
1: love the word abscondence, and I'm gonna find a way to use it.
0: Okay, I just thought it sounded better than absconding. Is is ing correct? It was for absconding. Uh, yes. Well, anyway, the the fact of the matter is, they had hired this dude who was actually a mass murderer, Stephen Kazmierskavec. Help me say his last name, Kazmiers
1: kasmirsfic yeah i maybe. it sounds so familiar
0: fic, i don't it's a very long polish likely name. polish or russian i don't know it's got a lot of k's and z's in it people Just, yes um if Steven. we had his if we had a uh,
1: brain bath jason here he could help us with his polish roots
0: barely he can barely say his real last name from his polish roots so
1: fair fair
0: <laughs> Um, But it was it was revealed that in February 2008, they had hired this mass murderer and he'd been there since 2007 working as a correctional officer, Megan. So they don't want more bad publicity because this publicity had just come out in February. Then all of a sudden in August, it comes out that the Scott guy, same year, 2008, the Scott guy, is sleeping with this inmate and helps her escape. So they're like, oh yeah, let's let's grasp at the straw that she's a master Charles Manson manipulator or Charles Manson-esque manipulator, yeah, I,
1: right? The whole That whole thing is robbing me.
0: The other thing too- Not
1: how I like to be robbed. I know,
0: not the good way. The fact that the guard that was posted at the gate did not search Scott Splint, Splintler's vehicle on the day of the escape, as he should have- should also be noted, okay? Like, here we have... Do they
1: traditionally search law enforcement yes. or CO's cars? It's
0: a part of their policy. Well, that makes and sense because
1: even if you weren't a corrupt police officer, corrections officer, someone actually could escape and hide in your vehicle and then, like, kill you. Right. So, yes, yes, I can see where... That makes sense. You should. So, oops. Yep. So much policy accidentally get, didn't get followed. It didn't get
0: followed. So, here in the same year, we have... Two dudes sleeping with inmates. We have the fact that we accidentally hired a mass murderer. So, yeah, I do think that this does show a little bit of the supporters of Sarah Pender to point out that um, she didn't commit any violence of any kind, planning or executing her escape whatsoever. Okay. All right. But she still, you know, is found guilty of murder. So, But I don't disagree with with any of that. But, all right. So, December 22nd, 2008 – after America's Most Wanted airs, police arrest Sarah on the north side of Chicago, where she had been living and working under the name of Ashley Thompson. Her, his, her neighbor watched the episode and was like, I think that might be Sarah. Yeah, that happens
1: yeah. on America's Most Wanted.
0: So now I'm going to take you to fall 2009. I told you Larry Sells comes back up. Yes. So the prosecutor who tried Sarah's case... He was actually helping an author named Steve Miller do research for a true crime novel.
1: Okay. As one will.
0: Yeah. And I do, I am going to tell you this though. This novel that's later released in 2011 on Sarah's case is highly scrutinized as being extremely inaccurate.
1: (laughs) Well, since a, since a a one side the prosecutor, you, you would need an independent person like a, like a you or an I.
0: Yeah. To write something like that. It's called "Girl Wanted: The Chase for Sarah Pender," and okay. and there were there was a lot of controversy about the accuracy of the information in that book. Which you know, if you're just an
1: independent true crime novelist, that you can do whatever you want. You can, but right, whatever you want and fuck up someone's life, you have God. the right to <laughs> do that as an American.
0: Mm-hmm. However, while he was Larry Sells was helping Steve Miller, he was going through old case files. Old detective files, like Detective Martinez's files. And he discovers what was called a snitch list. Yep.
1: And what they... Confidential informants are the words that we like to use. but well, you, And they would label them, by the way, sometimes with a number or a code name.
0: Here's the thing. It wasn't the police's snitch list. It was Floyd Pennington's snitch list.
1: Ooh, you have me intrigued.
0: He had a whole list of people that he was willing to come up with snitches about to try to reduce his sentencing, and Sarah's name was on it. Yeah. So this doesn't sit well with Larry Sells. F-
1: Larry, Larry all of a sudden has a gut feeling that maybe this wasn't right? Correct. He Shit, sure, like, Larry, good job, buddy.
0: Hold on a second. He realizes this document was an important piece of evidence that should have been given to Sarah Pender's lawyer, and Larry becomes. I like con- this. Yep. He com- becomes convinced that Sarah was wrongfully convicted, and he contacts Sarah's mother and expresses his willingness to help in an effort to get her a fair trial.
1: That's all I want. Correct. That's a- She exactly. might be guilty, you guys, yes. but it's an Innocence Project piece, and this is the prosecutor.
0: This he the prosecutor.
1: prosecuted her. Yep. This should hold weight.
0: Mm-hmm and this is why i say i don't think that we have seen the the last of Sarah I have Pender's goosebumps case. because
1: Larry just expressed like some exceedingly um, redeeming qualities for yeah. me yeah. and makes me think that he did not have any type of inappropriate knowledge uh, that perhaps law enforcement investigators did. Yep. He was operating with what he was given with what with the information that he had and was operating with against a defense attorney who clearly didn't know the type of appropriate things to object to. Or Clearly. if he was objecting to them, he was getting overruled by the judge, in which yes. case there's perhaps some, you know, bad decisions that were made there. So just throwing That's it all out there.
0: A- Absolutely fair. Exactly. And so, um, as I said, Sarah did not help herself when she escaped from prison. Okay. That was not, that was not helpful. But, um... I agree with you. I think that through the writing of the, trying to help Steve Miller research this book, he came across not only the snatch it list or snitch list, whatever
1: the snatch list. That is epic. Uh
0: It was very. The snatch it list. It It was a very long list with a lot of well-known cases at the time in the media, by the way.
1: Wonder how many he was actually involved in.
0: I had the same thought like have they went back and made sure that he wasn't a key witness that testified in any of those
1: cases how many of those people were his prison pen pals right
0: so i i agree that i am happy that larry has had a a, a realization i think that more information now has has become available for him Agreed. and for him to contact sarah's mom and say I want to help you get her a fair trial, not claiming she's innocent guys. He just recognizes that legally she has not had a fair trial at all. And that is all that is truly our right. Guilty or not. It is our right to have a fair trial. And we say that a lot on this podcast. I
1: think we have to give him a lot of weight to Larry because prosecutors swear an oath to uphold the truth and to present valid evidence. And if there's something exculpatory or that makes you feel in your gut that somebody you were prosecuting either didn't do it or wasn't treated fairly, again, you have a duty and an obligation to come forward with that in a way that defense attorneys do not, by the way. Prosecutors must. Mm And he's coming forward. Yes. He's coming forward and he's putting it right out there. Yep.
0: Yep. I like it. So that that's the case. No that's, shit. That's where it ends so far is just that they are campaigning to try to get her a fair trial. I don't think that her supporters are of the way of saying she's innocent. No, she's not. Right. Innocent. But, and she's not saying that.
1: I mean truly but she may not be guilty of the exact thing that she's right. been accused of exactly. or things uh yep. and if she is she may not have been sentenced appropriately at least based off of one key piece of evidence that we now know to be a forgery actually
0: too because Floyd Pennington's uh, he's the one that had the so it's those two key two pieces key of pieces. yeah of evidence Thank that you. she was convicted on need to be thrown out and it all needs to be reevaluated. And we also need to drop the sensationalization of she's a manipulator of li- to the liking of Charles Manson and give her a trial without that tagline.
1: And to just be cognizant that her manipulating a prison guard runs right directly in the face of the fact that he was committing a felony criminal <laughs> sexual conduct by engaging in that behavior with her through his employment. Right. I'm sorry. Right. You to me, you can't mitigate away a person in a position of power engaging in those yep. actions. He's far more culpable.
0: And her creating an intimate relationship with another inmate is very normal. I just don't care about that me at neither. all. Um. Me
1: neither. Truly, you're I going to develop intimate relationships with individuals who she's not. She doesn't think she's ever getting out of prison. It's why she wanted to escape. Absolutely. So she created a family. It's
0: also true. Right. Just as humans, we're going to seek connectiveness. You may go into prison for life as a straight person, but you're
1: more than likely not going to stay that way, by the way, guys. Or develop some type of affection or relationship. A human psyche wants to be intimately involved with another human. And feel human touch. Yes. Yep. A hug. Yes. Anything. It can be sexual, but I'm just going to go with hug because that's the most normal thing.
0: Yes, and people and need those to be things touched can lead to other things for our our connectiveness our need to feel I just an yeah, intimate I just connection. don't know why that would
1: even have been an issue or had anything to do with her previous actions
0: because they wanted to say that she
1: was manipulating well, she, she developed this in, she inmates. developed into this because she was put there she uh, well the other she didn't thing, ask me if it was a prison for life
0: like it does take you having multiple people to help you escape uh, the fact that they had to draw you know say that they were an intimate couple and they were you know calling each other wife or whatever I think is just something that they're pulling at to try to show her manipulation when really that's very common. How many other inmates in there did that same exact thing? Yeah. You didn't have to be in a physically intimate relationship to love someone and help them escape prison. You don't. Agreed. So I I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's where that is. And we'll give an update if, if Larry is ever successful in helping her get a more fair trial. Some recent things, um, had come up in terms of, of trying to get that, but I won't speak to it until it actually happens for your sake. So yeah, it's just, I thank you, James, for uh, recommending that case. Um, You know, it's, I like some of these more controversial cases once in a while and I know it's not okay to murder people or help people. I got fired up. I know. I get fired up. It's a good one. Um, Are you ready for a brain bath though? Switching gears. Yes, I am. And this actually came to us. Did you guys know that you can email us brain baths? Just put brain bath in the subject line to Crime Curious at yahoo.com. If you have a funny story, you're welcome to do that. And um, we have a Miss Brooke who uh, did that for us. She emailed us a, a brain bath. And she said, I have two stories where I publicly mortified my mom.
1: Uh, my mom. My mom.
0: I love it. She said, one, there was a group of us, my mom and I and her friend and her two kids. All right. So she's with her mom, her mom's friend, and her mom's friend's two kids. Mom and her friend were playing bingo, and we came back after doing our own thing. We were still two or three games to go, so we had to sit and wait. I felt a familiar rumbling in my belly. Oh, no. Thought I could get away with it and let it rip silently. Get away with it? I did not. The dodgy plastic garden chairs that we were sitting on <gasps> amplified that fluff, and the entire room heard it. My mom's friend had tears streaming <laughs> down her face, as did us kids. My mom, however, was not impressed. No,
1: uh, uh, how also, dare you! That
0: is that is like my biggest fear yes. that I will try to get away with a silencer, and, and it it doesn't got amplified by it. a
1: nineteen seventies chair.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just as the room grows quiet. Yes, Mm -hmm.
1: of course.
0: The second one, she said, My dad, brother, and I were visiting my mom in the hospital.
1: This poor woman.
0: (laughs) My brother went to the loo, and my dad went in after him. When my dad came back, he commented, In an old school Aussie country bloke, so excuse the language, which is so funny. On this podcast, we don't we don't say excuse the language. We no, we do not. But he said, "Quote, geez, the last bastard who was in there was rough, (laughs) your (laughs) kid." End quote. As in very smelly. As he said this, my brother, who was sitting behind him, pointed to himself and mouthed, "It was me." (laughs) I lost my shit and started laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. Every time I looked at my brother, I would start all over again. As luck would have it, a nun came to pray with my mom. Being a stupid teenager, I did not realize how rude I was until I saw my parents shooting daggers at me. It was at that point I got up and left because I just couldn't stop. It took a while before my mom could laugh at these events. But she eventually does, okay? Okay. <laughs> And I will, I will say this. She said, she said, my lovely mom lost her battle to cancer 22 years ago. And these stories are a wonderful way to remember
1: her with a giggle. Oh I'm
0: just so grateful that she shared those Me for too. us. And we could talk about her mom for a minute and help bring a smile. I to often her. also
1: find humor in the darkest of situations. I am the person who, when there's a family emergency and everybody's at the hospital, says just the worst mm-hmm. things.
0: Well, at least not when none is
1: standing in the room. No, yeah, I just, and if you find a medical professional that can joke around back with you, it's even more fun. I love it. One of the times my sister was in the hospital recently, um, well, like last year or so, because she was having some stuff go on, we're just getting sick of constantly getting called for these emergencies. And my brother-in-law finally was going home to get some sleep. So I'm sitting there with her and this, I assumed was a young doc or a PA of some kind, um, comes in. And, and I said, uh, Hey, before you touch my sister, how many drinks have you had tonight? And he, without a beat, looks at me and goes, only two. I'm still good. <laughs> and I, my sister's like, come on. I'm like, I like him. He can stay. Right. right. I like him. He can stay. Well, and then, he, of course, he's like, I'm joking. But I, I'm right. like, no, I'm aware of that. I was waiting yeah. for you, somebody to, you know. Yeah. You like, don't you don't I, have need to to be, say it. I need to be played with.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I need to be entertained. I need entertainment. I need to be entertained. This is it's too serious yeah. in here. Well, if you're a Patreon, the bonus episode that we're about to record for them after this, yeah. the brain bath is all about funny prostate exam doctor
1: stories. That sounds fantastic. If
0: you're not a $10 a month Patreon, you should be because they're getting their third bonus of the month uh, this week.
1: All you got to do is take your finger and press (laughs) press the the button. button. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of prostate exams. And
0: you can listen.
1: You can listen too. It
0: will feel better than a prostate exam as well. I mean,
1: (sighs) beggars can't be choosers.
0: I guess I shouldn't. I don't have a prostate. I, I don't know say, if that's
1: enjoyable or not. I I'm, don't. I think possibly for some people it is. I also don't have a prostate. So right? I
0: can't I? Can't speak to I it. I don't know. I can only imagine. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we uh, hope that you keep it curious and keep listening.
1: Bye Bye-bye. bye.